2 is 11 through 14. Then Moses entreated the Lord his God and said, O Lord, why does your anger burn against your people whom you have brought out from the land of Egypt with great power and with a mighty hand? Why should the Egyptians speak saying, with evil intent, he brought them out to kill them in the mountains and to destroy them from the face of the earth. Turn from your burning anger and change your mind about doing harm to your people. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, your servants to whom you swore by yourself and said to them, I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heavens. And all this land of which I have spoken, I will give to your descendants and they shall inherit it forever. So the Lord changed his mind about the harm which he said he would do to his people. Let's bow our heads. Father, we thank you on today for your word. And Father, we ask that the people here today hear your words, that it may encourage them, Father, to do as Moses, which is to look out for others rather than turning inwardly to just self. Help us to learn to intercede for one another, to pray for one another, to stand in the gap for one another. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Man. This is uh, Sunday school lesson, uh, November the 1st. I forgot the title of it, but I gave it the title. Thank you. I knew you were going to have it. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> All right. What's the, what's the title again? G the what? What? People sin against God, just in case you want to go back and read that lesson. People sin against God. I, I titled it, The Intercession of Moses. And then in parenthesis, looking out rather than looking in. Amen. Looking out rather than looking in. Amen. I, I remember when uh, Kelsey was in grade school and she had a situation on the playground. She attended a, a predominantly white school and during recess, there was this boy that would bully her. And I guess uh, this was a time where it had gotten to the point where she needed to do something about it, amen. And right in the middle of this boy bullying her, she looked, as, as the story goes, she looked at him sternly and said, you better stop messing with me because I have a black daddy. <laughs> and ain't it nice to know that you have backup? <laughs> Those of you who have ride or die friends and family members know what I'm talking about. I, I'm the eldest of six kids and two brothers came way long 
way long down the line. They were fifth and sixth. So there were three sisters that followed me. And those three sisters that followed me, they loved to talk smack. Yes, they did. And, that, and I can recall them uh, feeling very comfortable that they had a big brother that had their back. But there was just one major issue. They had more mouth than I had weight. <laughs> yeah, I had heart, but I didn't have much weight, amen. And I'm sure the young people today can, can understand too about how, how good it feels to have backup, amen. I, I thought of the politeers as I developed this uh, lesson. And I'm quite sure the famous words came out of their mouth by now. Something like, hey, man, don't mess with my brother. <laughs> I'm quite sure. I'm quite sure they had to say that at some time. And, and I know going to school with one another, I know that's a comfort, too, as well, because you can say, hey, man, don't mess with my brother. And if they need even extra backup, they can say, hey, Z, come here. <laughs> so I'm quite sure they understand how it feels to have backup. Man, how, how, how powerful it feels to, to know that folks are looking out for you. And, and, and I know that, uh, that it has benefit as well. I, I'm thinking also when I, when I thought about this message, I thought about as we... Uh, came up in church and folks began to have kids. You saw a lot of, lot of um, what they call them, mother, mother bears. Don't mess with their cubs, right? Don't you mess with their cubs. And, and, and ladies, I, if you ever wanna 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 see your your husband look like he did when he was younger, where his chest stands out more than his stomach. Right, just just do that backup talk to him. Like, that's my man. That's my husband. Right. <laughs> All of a sudden, you see stuff reverse. Right. That <laughs> backup is something else, ain't it? Yeah. But today we will see how Moses did something else other than physical backup that I'm talking about of fathers and mothers and siblings and friends and on and on. We see a different type of backup that Moses exhibited, right? And this backup had to do with interceding. Interceding for one another, interceding. Interceding is defined as the act of petitioning God or praying on behalf of another person or group. Once again, the act of petitioning God or praying on behalf of another person or group. Today, we will see how Moses interceded for the nation of Israel. During an incident in a time in which um, Israel had deeply offended God, amen, angered him to the point that Moses had to step in and plead for them. Moses passed this test. Moses didn't look, he, he didn't look in, but he looked out. He looked out 
rather than in. He looked out for others rather than looking inwardly and, and remaining occupied on himself. Amen. And the challenge today, the challenge today for us is can we, can we do the same as Moses? Can we pass the test and look out rather than in? Are we praying for one another as we should? Amen. How, how weak and vulnerable is a community that doesn't pray for each other? But how strong and viable, viable meaning expanding, able to develop and, and, and able to just come to maturation, amen? How, how strong and viable is a community that intercedes, petition God and pray to the Father for one another, amen? In Exodus 32nd chapter, the nation of Israel is now at Mount Sinai. And God delivered them from Egypt with, a pow with powerful miracles. And while in the wilderness, when they had no water, God made water flow from a rock. And when they had no food, God sent quail their way. Not bargain bird, but good quail. And then he allowed it to rain down manna each morning. And by this time, God spoke to the people as well. They heard God speak, and it would sound like the, and felt like the whole earth was just rumbling. And the folks said, Moses, we don't want God to speak to us anymore. That's too scary, right? We rather you speak, right? We rather you speak for him. And God, Granted that, and lastly, by this time, they all entered into a covenant with God, if you recall. They had a covenant going on with God where they said the famous words, we will obey, right? And as we stated last week, a, a cloud rested on the top of Mount Sinai, and this cloud looked like it was a consuming fire. And Moses entered into that, mount, that, that, that cloud to talk with God. And the Bible states that he remained there 40 days and 40 nights. If we were to read the verses that preceded uh, these uh, verses, we would see that, I believe in verse one, it says, now when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain, the people assembled about Aaron and said to him, come, make us a God who will go before us. As for this Moses, the man who brought us up from the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. See, although they saw the Shekinah glory, the dwelling glory of God on that mountain. Although they saw that visible appearance of God on that mountain, right? They said to each other, let's make a God. Little G, that's right. And some say that, what were their intentions? Why, why would they even do something like this? Well, some say they, they just grew impatient. Moses was up there too long. Others say that they panicked and Moses wasn't coming and they felt, uh-oh, Moses done. 
So we need to do something. And other, you know, others said they panicked. And, and some even offered that, that, that maybe they explained that we weren't really replacing God with this, this statue, with this calf. We're not really replacing God. See, God is invisible. And since he's invisible, we're going to just make something visible to represent him. See, after all, that's why Aaron was able to go along with it because they weren't really replacing God. They were just showing something, you know, that that was a visible reputation, representation of God, right? See, whatever the rationale or excuse, the point is, is that they broke God's commandments, right? Matter of fact, they broke the first three of the Ten Commandments that they had received just a short while ago. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. And third, thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Aaron, he went along with it. He was second highest in the nation. And he went along with it. And, 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 and he was the one, just think about it. He was the one that witnessed these miracles. He had a front row seat right alongside of Moses. He had a front row seat seeing these miracles, seeing how God had delivered Israel out of the hands of the Egyptians. And yet he went along with this. He, he bowed, caved in to the pressure of the people and told them to collect their earrings and gold and so we can all get it together and melt it down and make something, right? Make something. And it reminded me of Exodus, that 21st chapter, verses five through six. It says, but if the slave plainly says, I love my master, my wife and my children. I will not go out as a free man. Then his master shall bring him to God. Then he shall bring him to the door or the doorpost and his master shall pierce his ear with an awl and he shall serve him permanently. See, that the, the earrings were, was a sign of slavery, and they were still wearing them. So it made me think, and I couldn't help but ask, although they were free, were they still thinking like slaves? Were they still in bondage mentally, the old habits that they had and the old ways of thinking, right? They, after all, made a calf. And, they, and some say that calf pointed to the Egyptian bull god Apis. And they wanted to make something that was similar to Apis, even though God beat Apis up, right? Because he delivered them from Egypt. Apis couldn't do nothing about it. But yet they wanted to go back and make a representation, a, represent, uh, a, a representation of Apis, right? Goes on to say that, uh, they, they, they added insult to injury. Not only did they make a calf, but then all of a sudden they went and they partied like it was 1999. <laughs> I mean, they added insult <laughs> to injury to insult and insult to injury. 
right? They injured God, but yet they said, we're going to put some more on it. Not only are we going to disobey, but we're going we're gonna to party about it. We're going to party about it as well. Verses 7 through 10 takes us to where God had to respond, right? And God responded to the actions of the Israelites, and he was offended. God was offended to the point that he didn't want to even be identified with them. This is what he said in verse 7. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, go down at once, for they're acting up, Moses. For your people, Moses, <laughs> whom you brought up from the land of Egypt, have corrupted themselves. God didn't want to be identified with them, right? God pointed out that the people perverted everything he instructed Moses to do with them, right? They offered burnt offerings and, and peace offerings. They worshiped. And on top of that, they did this foul representation of a communion meal. They just tried to pervert everything that God instituted. And God then expressed his intention. That's a pivotal word. God expressed his intention. In verse 10, it says, and then let me alone. This is God talking. Now then let me alone that my anger may burn against them and that I may destroy them and I will make you, of you, Moses, a great nation. It is very important, as I stated, that was God's intention. God did not decree that he would do this. See, God's decrees are binding. They are not changing, but he expressed an intention at this time, right? In other words, he said, well, why I ought to go down there and wipe them out and start over with you, Moses. See, it was a test in a sense for Moses because Moses could have said, huh, I could have, I could be Abraham. Huh? I can, he can start over and he started and everybody would say, I'm the father of this nation, right? Instead of Father Abraham, it's Father Moses, right? He said, hey, but, but he didn't. He passed the test, amen? See, the people's response to all of God's goodness was to offend him with their disobedience. God's response to the nation's disobedience was to, to express the intent of his righteous anger. But Moses' response was to stand in the gap, right? To stand in the gap. God, he offered to start over with Moses. That would have been a great tempting thing to think about. But yet Moses, as, as the expositor writer said, the choice God placed before Moses did not seem to create a dilemma for him at all. Right? He stood in the gap. He had the interest of others at heart. He didn't think about himself, but others. During a moment of testing, he did not get more selfish, but he got more selfless. 
Amen. To petition for others to intercede, to stand in the gap. That's what Moses chose to do. Good looking out, Moses. Good looking out rather than looking in. Amen. Good looking out. And, and, and 2020, man, what a year this has been. Right? During this time of crisis and testing, during this time of isolation and separation because of the pandemic, can we pass the test? Can we pass the test? See, godly living has a, has a built-in uh, uh, way of thinking and acting that will help you mentally. Godly living has a, a built-in way of thinking and acting that will help you mentally during this pandemic. Amen. It's like Tony Evans. Once again, I told you all about his example of that apple. And if you have this apple and if you just let an apple sit there long enough, all of a sudden you just start seeing that it decays and it decays and it decays and, and, and all of a sudden it gets mushy and, and all of a sudden you just don't want to eat that thing at all because it begins to just feed upon itself. It just feed upon itself. But, but boy, what if that apple was used to sustain someone, right? It was used to help someone else and it would nourish someone and, and strengthen someone along the way. And that's pretty much uh, us as well, how we can just pretty much sit there through our pandemic and just let the situation feed. And we just start growing more and more inward and and, and inward and, and, and we get all mushy and soft and depressed looking and, and, and we just feed upon ourselves. But see, if we just not just look inward, but just begin to express outwardly and look outwardly and see how we can help others, then we see that we can, we can be a better community and we would even feel better about ourselves, amen? Amen. That's a godly way of looking at things. But what joy and help it would bring if you would just look out for someone else, right? What exactly did Moses do? What was his response? Well, he gave God three arguments, right? Moses, he was looking out and he, he, he was rapping hard with God at this time, right? Moses looked out by saying, first, Lord, these ain't my people. No, no. <laughs> these are your people, not mine. <laughs> you delivered them, not me, right? So, so let's just get that straight, Lord, right? These are not my people. These are your people, and you delivered them with your mighty hand. Amen. And then further, he said, uh, Lord, your name is great. You alone deserve the honor, the praise, and the glory. I don't want anyone dishonoring you, Lord, right? So let's not give the Egyptians or anyone else something to talk about. Please don't do what you intend to do, right? But don't, don't rain down judgment on them. In fact, the Sunday school lesson used the King James Version and it used the word evil. Not evil in the sense of moral 
moral evil, but evil in a sense of like threatening judgment would come their way. And Moses was saying, Lord, please change your mind. Please don't do what you intend to do. Please don't do what you just expressed, right? But, but change your mind about it, Lord, because see, I want your name to remain great. I want your name to, to, to be high and lifted up. I even want the Egyptians to continue to understand that you whooped them good because you are a great God, right? You are a great God. And last, he said to the Lord, you are not a man that you, that you should lie, right? You keep your word. You promised Abraham and you promised Isaac and you promised Jacob that they would become a great nation. And I know you are a promise keeper. You keep your word, Lord. So I pray that you keep your word. You said that you, to them, that you would make them a great nation, not Moses. Not Moses. So Lord, keep your word as well. I know you are a promise keeper. And then, you know, all of this was wrapped up in the fact that Moses said, I'm not making excuses for what the people did. I'm not making excuses for their sins, right? And neither, Lord, am I requesting for you to act different than who you are. I'm not. Matter of fact, Lord, I'm asking that you remain the same. Merciful, gracious, long-suffering. I'm just simply asking you to do you. <laughs> being merciful and gracious and long-suffering towards your people. Saints, are you looking out rather than looking in today? Are you, are, you, are you interceding for one another, pleading on behalf of others, petitioning God for others? In 2 Corinthians, the 11th chapter, verses 23 through 29. This, this just struck me as I uh, prepared. It says this, starting in verse 23, 2 Corinthians 11th chapter. It says, Paul is speaking. He says, are they servants of Christ? I speak as if insane. I more so. In more labors, in far more imprisonments, beaten times without number, often in danger of death. Five times I received from the Jews 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I have spent in the deep. I have been on frequent journeys in dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my countrymen, dangers from the Gentiles, dangers in the city, dangers in the wilderness, dangers on the sea, dangers among false brethren. I have been in labor and hardship through many sleepless nights in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. Apart from such external things, there is the daily pressure on me of concern for all the churches. Do you hear him? And then he wraps it up with this. 
Who is weak without my being weak? Who is led into sin without my intense concern? See, Paul looked out rather than in. Are we looking out, saints, for one another? Do you want to intercede on behalf of another? Do you want to petition God on behalf of another? Or are you looking inward and just remaining inward and focused on yourself? See, the truth is, is God already has you covered. He, he already has you covered. So, so you can't like add to that covering by worrying about yourself. No, understand that you are already in good hands and you're in such good hands that you can just go ahead and start thinking about others, thinking about someone else, thinking about someone else. And I, and I know she will be uncomfortable with this, but I also was reminded of Sister Ratcliffe during this time. And, and, and through trials and tribulations and everything else, I thought about how she focused on others. And man, she had who she called her girls, <laughs> right? Mother Gordon and Mother Scruggs and how she looked out for them. And although it was a ministry on her part, they ministered to her as well. That relationship just ministered to her as well. And, and, and she had a way of looking out for others that helped not only those that she ministered to, but it helps you too. It helps you too. Stop focusing on you. Stop focusing on you. But see, if you give love away, God will give it in return. That's why he says it's more blessed to give than to receive. Stop looking out for you. You're already in good hands. And begin to shift your mind in a different way of thinking where you're like Moses and you begin to look out for others. You look out for others. An old song says, you can't beat God giving no matter how hard you try. Amen? No matter how hard you try, the more you give what? The more he gives to you. Saints, I encourage you today to be a Moses. Stand in the gap for others. Amen? And like I said, the, the best way to get over uh, uh, sometimes of, of, of loneliness and and, and other things that will attack you in terms of depression it is to stop thinking inward and, and, and help somebody else. Help somebody else and, and watch what that do to you. Watch what it does for you. It will give you, it'll just, just to see a smile on somebody's face as to what you've done for them. Just to pray for them and then have them all of a sudden report that the prayer was answered. How encouraging that is. Amen. I encourage you today. And, and, and I'm praying for those today that don't know him. That don't know him. I'm praying that you 
get to know him. I'm praying that you understand that you can't live without him. My prayer, my, my prayer, my petition, my standing in the gap right now is for those souls that are not right with God, that they stop in their tracks today and get right with him and understand that they need him, that you can't do it alone. Amen. And I pray that they also understand that new life is a community that intercedes, that will stand in the gap for them as well. That's my prayer. Don't let this moment pass you by. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus right now. Right now. Choose ye this day who you will serve. Come today. Come today. And for those who already know him, I pray that you never feel like you are on an island by yourself. Because if you're feeling like you're on an island by yourself, new life has failed. We don't ever want anyone in the community to feel alone. We are all in this thing together. Amen. A community that will intercede and petition. Amen. Petition and stand in the gap for one another is my prayer. And for those who don't know the Lord, what a wonderful opportunity you have today to get to know him. And I pray that you don't let this moment pass you by. And we have folks here after dismissal to lead you, to help you initiate that start in a relationship with God. Amen. Don't let this moment pass you by. And for those who are on Zoom, if you have come to determine that you want a closer walk with him, don't fail to reach out to us. Just reach out, call, and we will definitely respond. Amen. Amen. I will turn it over to hospitality for you. God bless you.